there is a man who had three professional degrees, one in medicine, one in theology, and one in philosophy. He was an accomplished organist, and he had an incredible teaching career in Vienna. When all of a sudden, this man left it all. He decided to leave his culture and all the amenities that went with it. He decided to move to a place that had no organs, nothing to play. And he left his world of academia and higher education to live with people who based their lives on superstition. He left everything and moved to the darkest jungles of Africa. Do you know who I'm talking about? Anybody? Close. Dr. Albert Schweitzer. He went on to receive the Nobel Peace Prize in 1953. And this was the prize motivation. And again, this is language from the 50s. For his altruism, reverence for life, and tireless humanitarian work, which has helped making the idea of brotherhood between men and nations a living one. What is it that made him change his entire life. There was another man. He too was an accomplished musician, only he was a jazz musician, and he plays the piano. And this man, strangely and interestingly enough, was recorded in an interview on September 25th, 1964, where he talks about a time when he got to play with Louis Armstrong. And after he played with Louis Armstrong, he says he went on to play with more people, more famous jazz musicians. And his reputation grew and grew to the point they began to invite him to join the most exclusive jazz clubs. And guess what he did? He left it. And he moved to Chicago and began an outreach ministry. He opened up an office on Rush Street, right on top of a hamburger joint. Do you know who I'm talking about? Anybody? His name is Robert Owen, and he was an Episcopalian priest, and he's known as the Night Pastor, and his story has just come to light. An interesting thing about the Night Pastor is he actually somehow got the Episcopalian church to appoint the people of the street as his congregation. And he says, I want to be appointed to the streets, to the be with the ones who work, the ones who play, the ones who serve, and the ones who are served. He said that he discovered very quickly while he was playing all the gigs, when the gig was over, everybody had all these problems they wanted to talk to him about. So, what is it that made him change his life? Strangely enough, these two musicians 
say it was the same story that made them change everything. And it just so happens to be the story assigned for our reading today. So let's read it together. It's from the Gospel of Luke. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime, you received your good things. And Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, and I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets, so they should listen to them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to them, if you do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Okay, now, if you think that this story is familiar, that's because it is. <laughs> We've heard this story over and over and over again. In fact, we know that this story lives in at least seven rabbinic sources, which really just means we know that this story is in at least seven Jewish stories and maybe even more. In fact, we know because we've read of other cultures and religions, some of their stories even sound like this one. And all the stories go back to the original one from Egypt, where the god named Osiris is known to take cups of cold water to the dead. We also think this story is familiar because we've heard a little bit maybe about it in John, right? 
There's another story in the Gospel of John that talks about a man named Lazarus. And if you remember, he has two sisters. Do you remember their names? Great. Good job, Mary and Martha. And Lazarus gets sick. Lazarus dies. Jesus, his friend, comes and says, Lazarus, get out of the tomb. And he does. And so the question has been over and over again, is this the same guy? And people have spent a lifetime of research on that question. And guess what the answer is? Nobody knows. We don't know. What we do know is that we have this story in Luke. And what we do know about Luke is very important. We know that Luke does use parables, but this is not one of them. A parable never uses a common name. And so in this, we have Lazarus named, we have Abraham named, and we have Moses. So it's not a parable. It's a story. It's a little different. And because we're really good Luke theologians, because we know everything there is to know about Luke, we also know that Luke does the same thing with every story. Luke makes sure he places every story of Jesus as an extension of the prophets. Because right now there are people saying that this is a brand new person, that this is a new religion, that Jesus is new, not connected to anything. And Luke is saying that is not true. Jesus is nothing but the extension of the prophets of Abraham and Moses. And so we know that this story is important because it's connecting Jesus to the old. And the other thing that we know Luke loves to do, the one other thing he likes to do, it's all about the reversal of fortune. Always for Luke, it's the reversal of what you think. And so we have a familiar story being connected to the old about the reversal of the fortune. And so what we have is a story in front of us. And so I ask the question, can you imagine changing your entire life for this? (laughs) Maybe the better question now is, can you imagine changing your life because of your neighbor? Because that's really what the story is about. I want you to think about your neighborhood. Think about your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Would you change your life for them? No. I mean, you might, if they're having a big party, you might help out and make sure your yard looks nice, right? I mean, you're not going to blow off the leaves while people are in their backyard. Maybe. Maybe you will. Maybe you'll take the garbage out or check the mail while they're on fall break or vacation. But would you really change your whole life for your neighbor? Because that's essentially what this story is. Lazarus and Dives. Dives is the Latin word that means wealthy. Lazarus and the wealthy. Dives are nothing but neighbors. They live right next door to each other. And they actually know each other. 
And we know that they know each other because of what happens in this afterlife. Here we have this man in Hades, and he's being tormented. And he looks up, and he knows his neighbor's name. He doesn't say, hey, that guy's familiar. Hey, I think I saw that guy walking his dog the other day. Hey, huh, okay, I can't place him, but I know I know him. No. Divey says, that man is Lazarus. I know him. This man that spent his entire life in purple, which is the most expensive dye in the entire world at this time, he spent his life draped in wealth. And his neighbor spent his life draped in sores. He was so untouchable that the only ones that would come near him are the dogs. And now, Lazarus, Dives, he says, tell my neighbor, Lazarus, to dip that finger, the one that the dogs licked, tell him to dip his water, his finger in cold water so that I may have a drip. And here, even in this moment in death, the rich man still doesn't get it. He still wants his neighbor to serve him. Doesn't even speak to him directly. And he's still looking to be served. This story is full of such opposites. Such beautiful opposites, really, if you think about it. There's one man who lives in a gate. There's one man who lives outside the gate. There's a man who has a real name, and there's one man that doesn't have a name. And there's one man that is dressed beautifully and one man that is dressed in sores. And there is one man that feasts sumptuously. And there's another that waits for whatever falls out. And there's another man that has this proper burial and another man who is scooped away by the angels. And it's such vivid reversals and such vivid contrasts and such a vivid indictment, really, because we get caught up in it. We want to be in the gate. We want the purple and we want the table and we want the feast. But then ultimately, we want the angels to sweep us away. And that's where Luke gets us every time. Because even in the beginning there is this story about a girl, a young girl, who is in her world getting the things that she wants. And she's scooped in and visited by the angel Gabriel. And angel Gabriel says, this is not going to go how you think. Because <laughs> now you're going to have a baby. And because of that story, her entire life changes. The one who is not supposed to be gets the gift. 
the one that's in the corner, the one that's invisible, that's the one that angel scoops up. The one that we pass over is always the one that we're supposed to be paying attention to. There's a great story. It's an old, old story. And it's about this botanist who had spent his entire life studying this one flower of the heather bell. And here this botanist is in the field in Scotland and he's got his microscope and he's looking at these heather bells. And a shepherd comes over to him and says, what in the world are you doing on my field? And rather than taking the time to explain, the botanist says, look through my microscope. And so he does. And the shepherd says, oh, they're beautiful. And I've been trampling over these my whole life. I have a good friend of mine, and he was visiting a brain injury patient in rehab. And as he was visiting the patient with this very severe brain injury, the patient got restless and said, I just need to walk. I need to walk and find somebody. And so they began to walk the halls together. And the patient began to look in rooms and not sure who we're looking for, but would look in rooms around and not seeing anybody would go to the next room. And this happened a few times. And my friend got very impatient because he had places to be. He had things to do. He's responsible. And so they went into the huge activity room. And my friend popped his head in there first and looked around. And all he saw were two janitors in the corner. So my friend popped his head in and said, look, nobody's here. Let's keep going. And as soon as he turned around to get the patient and leave, he heard a little voice and said, really? Nobody's in here? We're nobody now? We trample over people. We see through people. We walk around people all the time until we need them to serve us. And let's be honest, the chasm in the hereafter is only as large as we make it in the here and now. The chasm in the hereafter is only as large as we make it in the here and now. Because right now, our world is full of these reversals. We build monuments and pass laws based on commandments while we deprive the greatest commandment of them all to the ones who need it the most. We watch online, we stream all these stories about humanitarian efforts while we wait through ads of the bigger vacation home and the nicer car. We watch political ads that take these sound bites and make up all these stories, like wiping each other's reputation on the ground, while we turn around and tell our children to be honest and only say the truth and give everybody a chance. 
We spend our entire lives so responsible and working that our heads are in our smartphones or whatever device you might have waiting for the next post or the next email while we miss this amazing intimate connection of the person in front of us. There are huge chasms that we may or may not be willing to cross, and we're creating even more. I don't know if you remember this story, but in 2003, there was a huge blackout in New York City. Do you remember this? In 2003, for over 15 hours, like the entire city went black. There was no power, no electricity, nothing. And everybody was in panic mode. What do we do on the blackout of the world's amazing city of New York? And while everybody was kind of freaking out, going crazy, there was this one church called St. Francis of Assisi. And it was right there in downtown Manhattan, one block from the Penn Station where everybody was going crazy. And you know what they did? They did the same thing they did every single day. They opened the door to the bread line. But instead of giving out sandwiches or hot meals, you know what they gave out? Ice cream. They took big barrels of ice cream out of the freezer and they just started to scoop out ice cream cones to every single person they saw without any questions asked. And what happens when you give people ice cream? Yeah, they get happy. And they start to talk to people. Well, during the blackout, nobody could go home. There was no way to get home. And so you know what happened to the people who were eating ice cream? They had a sugar crash and they got tired. And so they did, the church did what they always did. They opened up the fellowship hall door for people to sleep who needed a place to sleep. And the people who had slept there before were on one side. And the people who had never been, because they had been in the shelter of their own home, they slept on the other side. Next morning, they woke up only to find that the power outage was still happening. But the big news of the day was that there were these special buses that were going to come and take you to your homes. And all you had to do was line up right outside the church. So the people on this side, you know where they ran? They ran straight to the special transportation line. While the people who had been there before, they went to the line they always went to, which was the bread line. And rumors grew of these two lines. And the monks, the friars, the brothers, the priests, they tell stories about how both lines just started to grow and wrap around the whole block where the church was. And they said when they opened up the kitchen door, they could see a huge chasm between the two lines. They said, you wouldn't believe how large (laughs) an elephant could have walked through between the two lines. But regardless, the men, the friars, these brothers, they did what they did and they passed out food. Only instead of a hot plate again, they had to make sandwich, ham and cheese sandwiches. So they would make these ham and cheese sandwiches, roll them up and pass them to the first person in the bread line. And the person in the bread line would pass it back. And so that's how it became, this big line. 
making the rolls, making the sandwiches and passing them back and passing them back. And all of a sudden the friar said they got to have go through almost all of these sandwiches and they looked up and the most amazing thing had happened. The entire bread line had been fed. But guess what they were doing with their second sandwiches they had? They were passing them over to the next line. One by one, the people in the bread line were handing their sandwich to the person trying to get home. You know what makes this story different than any of the others? When God wants us to have a cup of cold water, he asks our neighbor to give it to us. Reach out. Reach out and touch. Reach out and love. Reach out and share. Because I'm going to ask you again. Can you imagine this story changing our entire life? Amen. Pray with me. Gracious and holy Lord, we are so thankful for your goodness before us every day. We ask you now to embrace us. Embrace us in this moment of worship so that all of our hurts, all the things that trouble us, all of the things that distract us, we can give to you. We ask too, Lord, for your wisdom because there are things in our lives that are testing us or that we're worried about or that are struggling with. We ask for you to grant us wisdom to get through it and to see through it so we may see a semblance of your truth and that be the biggest thing for us. We also, Lord, ask you to help us feast because there are many things that bring us joy. There are new arrivals in our lives all the time in so many different ways. And so help us take the time to feast on that, but feast on it well and with others and making sure others have dignity to feast in their joys as well. Lord, we also ask that you forgive us in any of our areas of selfishness or any area of ego because this week we want to be prepared to help another. And Lord, like the night pastor and like Dr. Schweitzer, may we praise you as the Psalm says with a trumpet and with an organ and with a piano and with the instrument of our voice. May we praise you in all that we do so that our neighbor can know the pure love and pure joy of being clothed in the purpleness and the richness of your love. We ask all of this in the name of your son. Amen.